welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast, a podcast for farmers and ranchers ready to shift for a stronger future. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful are not. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, you'll hear how producers of all sizes and practices are moving mountains for things they believe in, all in the name of an industry that keeps growing and innovating for a stronger food system and stronger farm families. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to discuss where producers are finding success, challenging the status quo, striving for better, and keeping our heritage alive, all while producing the food we depend on. Welcome back to Farming on Purpose. I'm here today with Stacy Bronick. Um, Stacy is a freelance writer who lives in rural Montana with her husband and their three kids on their farm, family farm and ranch. And years ago, Stacy, you dreamt of big city life and then fell in love with a farmer and moved to the middle of nowhere. Um, but you use stories to make sense of the beauty and challenges of rural life, which is why I asked you to be on the podcast because I came across your writing and absolutely loved the way that you painted the picture of what rural and farm life and motherhood looks like. And so I'm so excited to connect with you today. Um, You write for a local magazine. You have some personal essays that have appeared in various publications. So there's lots of places people can check out your writing. And then you also do a monthly newsletter um, on your website and on Substack. But today I'm just really excited to learn more about your story, kind of how you got to the farm. That was a really brief overview of what your um, journey to farm wife life looked like. Um, so I'd love to hear more about that and what you're focusing on these days. Well, thank you for asking me to come on, Lexi. Um, so I grew up in a small town in Wyoming and I always wanted to be, my dream was to be Katie Couric and be a news broadcaster. Um, but that didn't happen. I um, ended up going to college at the University of Wyoming and studied communication. And then I moved to Billings, Montana to do grad school. And I got my master's in school counseling. And I was working as a school counselor in Bozeman, Montana. And I became friends with a group of people there and we tailgated and for football games. And that is where I met my husband was tailgating at a football game. Um, and then it all happened really fast. We uh, were engaged within three months of starting dating. We got married six months later and I moved to the farm um, in the middle of nowhere. We live um, about 40 minutes from the closest small town and that's where our kids go to school. And so that's how I ended up on a farm in the middle of nowhere is tailgating at a football game. Well, that took quite a turn then. Um, I was hearing, I hadn't realized until you said that we have had some like really good love stories shared on the podcast of how people meet their farmer or how they meet someone and then they start a farming journey together. So that's so special. Um, So when you made the jump and got married to your husband, moved to the farm, was that um, expected? Like, was he planning the entire time to go back to the farm or what did that kind of decision process? look like for you guys so there really wasn't a decision for me it was my husband so when we met i was 29 my husband was 33 he was like we were still tailgating like we were in college but we weren't in college anymore so we were both well past college so he had already been on the farm um for probably 10 years so he had gone to school and was a cpa but then went back to the farm that's where he knew he wanted to be so for me it wasn't really a decision of going back to the farm i knew if i wanted to be with him that it was going to the farm because as we all know farms and ranches don't move and so i moved it was about a four-hour move across the state and so um i really i just knew when i met him that you know, he was pretty clear from the beginning um, that, you know, being on the farm, like that's what he wanted. And he wanted me to be happy. We, you know, had many conversations. He didn't want me to like do something I didn't want to do. But, you know, it was pretty clear, like if this isn't a life you can live, I don't want to force you to do it. But 
you know, hindsight, like I didn't really know what I was signing up for. <laughs> like it was easy to say, yes, I want to live on a farm. But then when you actually love, live on a farm, it's a lot different than because I just really had no idea what it was going to look like. But so, yeah, so that's how we got here. Yeah, I think that is true for most people. If you didn't grow up on a farm and then you move to one, it's like you kind of know what's happening and what you're getting into, but really it's a shock when you kind of jump into the day to day. At least I feel like that was for me and I grew up on a a hobby farm. So I had like a little bit of understanding, but actually on a production farm, big change to what I kind of thought it would be. Is there things that like stick out to you from those early days that you were like, oh my gosh, this is not what I expected or this was a big surprise? Um, I mean, it was just like, which we all, you know, talk about like farming isn't necessarily just like your career, it's your lifestyle. And like, I just, you know, I just didn't know how much of my life was going to revolve around the rain. And if it's going to rain, then my husband is like hustling to do the work he needs to get done ahead of the rain. And it doesn't matter if it's a Saturday or a Sunday, um, you know, just the work has to get done when it has to get done. And, you know, we dated and were engaged so quickly that I never even had a full year of like seeing the farm in action, like even from an outside perspective, like the summer, like my first harvest, we were engaged, but I was living in town. And so I would drive out and riding the combine in a cup for a couple hours with my husband. I was like, oh, this is so romantic. Like we're riding in the combine together. And then I would get in my car and drive back to my apartment in town. So it wasn't, and I wasn't bringing meals to the field like I am now. So it was just a lot different, you know, and we um, raise black Angus beef or black Angus cattle and we are a grain operation. So we're busy like all year long, you know, we're calving right now. Um, And so we do all of our calving in the barn. So it's pretty time intensive for our crew, 24 hours a day. And then in the summer, you know, we do all the different crops, which we could talk about later or, but anyway, so it's just a year round busy. It seems like the seasons, you know, I wasn't prepared for the ups and downs of the busy and slow seasons. Mm-hmm. I think becoming a farm wife or a farm mom or however you want to say that a, a person who lives on a farm and, and is in charge of cooking and cleaning and doing those things. Um, that is part of the role that I never knew was going to be such a huge part of my life. Like I in high school was always like I wanted to be doing the on the farm things like I wanted to be out there with the cattle and in the tractor. And that's how I thought my life was going to go. And you don't really think about what that looks like big picture when you have kids to take care of. And when that doesn't like logistically make sense. Um, so that was a huge or is still a huge shock for me because we just moved um, to the a bigger farm this year. And so my role has increased a lot in that way. And I'm just like, I don't know how to juggle all this. Um, I don't know like what I'm doing, how to do field meals, when to do field meals, how to, because sometimes it feels like you call them. I don't know if you've experienced this. You call them and you're like, hey, what can I do to help? And it's like bad timing. Don't call right now or, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. Did you have anything that's happened um, as you kind of took on some of those roles? Yeah, thinking back, and this is something I've written about, was I didn't realize like how much of my life um, being married to a farmer would revolve around cooking and feeding people, like um, just other than my family, you know, and like the early years, like my husband would stop by the house and he'd say, hey, can you make lunch for the guys real quick? And I was like, panic, like... Uh, like, I don't know, when am I going to make a group of people in like an hour notice, you know, and, and that just really, I didn't trust myself as a cook like I do now. Um, and so now I kind of start to have anticipated more when he needs it, you know, and we've established more of our, you know, the roles of like, I'm pretty much the one that does all the harvest meals and we bring a full dinner out to the field in the evening. Everyone packs their lunches. So I'm not so we have like those defined. So I know I'm not going to get asked to bring a lunch out during harvest, but I do bring dinner out. But then like in the 
other seasons, like when we're seeding in the spring or seeding in the fall, like there were a few years where we didn't really define like if I was going to bring dinner out. And then I kind of started to feel guilty, like the guys are still out seeding and it's like six, seven, eight o'clock and I know they don't have dinner. But I feel like my husband, I think he kind of was hesitant to ask me to take on more and you know we started we have three kids now so over the years we kept adding kids and so i think he was nervous to ask me to do one more thing because it is a lot of work to bring the food out to the field but now i just feel like we're kind of like i'm more confident in myself as a cook you know we've been married 10 years and so i feel like i'm less surprised by his asks now because i kind of learned to anticipate when it's going to be needed yeah, when as you kind of stepped into that role more and figured out how to do that, I've definitely been in the same place of like, hey, can you cook for these people? And we're going to come in in like 45 minutes. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> what do I do? Um, is there anything that you did along the lines to kind of that helped you figure things out? Or was it just, you know, learn by doing and over time or what's helped you along the way? I feel like I really have had a good, like my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law are um, on the farm. And so my mother-in-law did, you know, all the meals for harvest. And then I I feel like there was kind of a point when one summer she just kind of looked at me and she was like, you're going to do this next summer. Like, and I was like, okay. So, um, and then she does all the meals during calving. We have a big lunch during calving and everyone comes into her house. So I feel like for me, it was just kind of like by example of, what she was cooking and what my sister-in-law was cooking. And then I just kind of, you know, came up with the few meals that I felt like I could come up with a short amount of time that I felt confident in cooking because I, I definitely have tried like a new recipe on the guys. And then I feel bad because I'm like, I really wasn't very good. And so I, I try and cook things that I know will turn out. Um, and I, um, am a huge fan of the pioneer women's cookbooks and that's where I get a lot of my recipes. So she's like my inspiration that um, if I could be um, the pioneer woman, that is my goal. <laughs> but the, the, the Montana version. The Montana version. Oh, I love that. That's that's perfect. Um, isn't that all of our goals? Like, let's just be the pioneer woman and right. be able to cook all of this amazing food. That'd be great. Um, and have someone else clean up after you, though. Oh, I think that's off the battle. No joke. Um keeping everything clean. So when you guys get in a season like that, and we just kind of jumped in right here, but when you get in a season like in harvest and it's like a daily thing of trying to figure all that out, do you have any structure or routines that you try to do every day or um, figuring out what you're going to cook, how you're going to get it to the field? What are maybe some things that you've picked up along the way that you can share with folks who are maybe doing this for the first or first few times? I definitely have to meal plan. You know, we live, like I said, 40 minutes from a small town and we live an hour from a bigger city. So I get out my, I actually keep a list and it's in my drawer and I write down all the things I want to cook for harvest and I refer back. So I have the years on top of of what I've made. And then so I can refer back and go, oh yeah, that's a good meal. Cause otherwise it feels like you're like, what should I make? And so I keep a list of what I cook every year during harvest on a note piece of notebook paper. So then each week I just look at the calendar and I have my meal plan sheet and I write down what I want to cook for the harvest meal. And then I order my groceries and then I go to town and I get the groceries. So I definitely have to have a schedule because how far we are from town. Like if I'm out of butter or milk, I can't just drive down the street and grab it. Um, so I definitely keep a schedule and then keeping a track of meals that I cook year to year is really helpful because then I don't have to feel like I'm recreating the wheel every year on what I want to cook. It's, I have my standard. Everyone knows that I make meatball subs and they know the things that I bring out and they get excited when it's their favorite thing because I do the same meals. Um, so for me, that definitely helps is having the structure of having a meal plan. Um, I We take all of ours out. So I uh, load all the food into coolers and put a towel on top in the cooler and I load it into the pickup and we have, I set up, I have a chairs and table set up in the back of my pickup. And um, one thing I found that was really helpful a few years ago is I have a bucket or not a bucket, but a like a laundry detergent container that's empty now, but it has the 
like the pump on top. And so it's not, so I fill it with water and hot water and soap. And then I take that to the field and the guys can pump water out of it to wash their hands in the field. And that is always helpful. Um, and this year, which this is on the food part, but that my husband loved is I put in all the combines and the tractors, I put baby wipes and the guys love that to have to like wipe, wipe their face and their hands just when it gets dusty and stuff. So definitely for me, planning ahead is how I get through the busy seasons. Those are some genius tips right there. So I'm going to have to go back to listen to this and write those down later. But I love the idea of keeping track of your what you do from year to year too. So you can kind of remember like, oh yeah, this one was a hit and can do that again. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just one piece, like the meal preparation and feeding people, especially during like the busy seasons of calving or harvest is just one piece of the big picture. Um, what are some of the other things that have come along your way that have been responsibilities that maybe you didn't anticipate or were something that was you had to grow into? Um, I don't, I guess my response, like cooking is my main responsibility. And then with the kids and I don't know, just running the house, you know, and my husband is gone and keeping things flowing, you know, and the kids are in school, like, I'm the one that's, you know, making sure they're getting off the bus and, you know, that's pretty much my main job. And then occasionally my husband will call like, and I, which I refer to it as bringing in the C squad when he needs me to drive a combine. And so just like jumping in and doing things like that. Um, but yeah, for me, for the most part, cooking is kind of my main responsibility during the busy seasons. Which if you're doing that, um, from scratch or partially from a scratch, like that's a whole thing. That's more than enough for one person. And probably like you said, you mentioned that you have family on his side that has kind of helped in the past and helped you learn that role. Um, If you didn't have that, what would that have looked like for you? Or do you think that there would have been other opportunities for you to kind of learn those skills or figure out what was needed or just trial and error? Yeah, I think, you know, because like that his uh, family farm and ranch was already established when I got here, you know, it wasn't like we were starting out our own operation or, you know, so I feel like I don't know what it would have looked like because if I hadn't seen, you know, my husband's mom making meals for, you know, the things, maybe I wouldn't have even thought of doing it because it wasn't what I saw. And so I feel like just seeing how that they operated, I guess, kind of it's just how I learned that that's kind of what, how our operation works. And I know every operation is different, but so that's just, you know, seeing them in that role, you know, and over time gave me more confidence in being able to do it myself. For sure. Well, we've talked a little bit when we were jumping on here today about how social media plays a big role in our lives as rural women. Um, We don't have a lot of opportunity to interact with people outside of that on a day-to-day basis. Um, So I use social media a lot to try to like pick up little things about this because we are on a a family farm, but we do not farm with family, I guess is the best way to put that. So I'm trying to learn some of these things just by watching other people on social media and reading blogs about what they do and what works for them. Um, but it can be kind of a trip on social media to navigate. What's your experience been with that? Well, early, so early on, I feel like when I first got married, Instagram was pretty new, um, in 2013, 2012. And so I definitely, like I got on, you know, I switched, you know, I was on Instagram and I started following more women in ag as, you know, I had married a farmer and I'll be honest, when I first got on um, looking at other women in ag, like I really felt like at times I wasn't doing enough because I saw that, you know, the women sharing, they're driving the tractors and they're driving the combines and they had their kids in the tractor with them. And I felt like, am I not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Like I, I kind of, so I, it was hard because I felt like maybe I wasn't doing enough. And then on the other hand, um, then I also felt like, all the people, you know, where women were sharing all the beautiful things like the pretty sunsets and all the wonderful things about farm life, but no one was sharing anything about how hard it was. And I really struggled with that because I felt like, am I doing something wrong that farm life is only hard for me? Like, 
what is wrong with me? Like, why, why am I not like loving every minute of farm life? And so uh, after a few years, you know, I started writing more and I had always loved writing as a kid, but I pretty much had stopped writing through college and wasn't really, didn't think about it. But then I had a moment when I had my two kids that I just felt like I had to write again. And so I started writing. And so I started slowly sharing a little bit on Instagram and I made a blog and I started submitting essays for publication and started getting published places. And so I started just slowly sharing a little bit more of like the challenges I was feeling like the loneliness I felt as a farm wife. And then adding in kids, like motherhood can be really lonely too. And then add on top of that, your husband working 16 hours a day and you live in the middle of nowhere. I, so I tried to share some, some of that. Um, then I started hearing back, you know, women would comment back and say me too. Like, and so I kind of felt like I knew I wasn't the only one, but it was really kind of scary to step out and post this because I was afraid of getting the backlash from people saying like, how come you don't love it all the time or farm life is wonderful. And, um, so I've really tried to just embrace that, that yes, there are beautiful parts of farm life and I love it. And I think it's a wonderful place for my kids to be raised and they're learning so many things. My nine-year-old can drive a combine. Um, like there's just so many great things, but I also want to be honest about the challenges because I feel like it can be really lonely when you feel like you're the only one feeling a certain way. And, I don't want other women to feel like how I felt 10 years ago. Absolutely. I think there's so much, so much content that you can consume on social media. Um, It can be overwhelming. And for me, I think sometimes I get stuck in like little corners of social media where all you see is one thing and it's like repeated, repeated, repeated um, from all these different people of, you know, one ideal way of doing things. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I could never achieve that. Or I could never do it that way. And you do, you start to blame yourself or wonder if you're doing everything wrong. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I don't know how to get out of this. Mm -hmm. When folks can share the parts that are hard too, it is so refreshing to see that. It's so refreshing to see like this person is a real person who struggles with pieces too. Maybe not necessarily the same things I struggle with all the time, but at least they're not on their A game every single day. Like I assumed they were. One thing that stands out for me is definitely how to navigate having kids on the farm and letting them be involved or helping them be involved and what that looks like. I felt like that was a big thing that I noticed other people doing. Like you mentioned, they were taking their kids along with them in the combine or they were having them work in the processing pen and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to do that or how to teach my kids to do that, how to make sure that they're safe while they're doing it, that kind of thing. And as a mom, that is so much harder to navigate then because it's not just you. It's like how you are raising your kids. Um, What ages are your kids now? My son is nine. My middle child is seven and my youngest is three. So close together and still very much so in the, the young kid phase. Has that been something that you've had to figure out how to navigate like the motherhood paired with farm life. What is that? Excuse me. What has that been like to kind of work through? Have there been any challenges that have come up for you? Like I said earlier, you know, that the loneliness with motherhood um, and then add on top of it, you know, living in a rural area. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, definitely been times like, you know, back to the social media where I, you know, see women who like the suggestions of like getting to spend more time with their husband um, in the tractor, like I've seen like the advice, like go drop your kids off at daycare and then go ride with your husband in the tractor. But that's never been an option for me, you know, to drive 40 minutes, to drop the kids off, to drive 40 minutes back home, to drive 40, you know, to go pick up, you know, so like stuff like that was, so I feel like with social media was hard for me because I was like, yeah, that's great advice, but that doesn't really work for me. Um, you know, and the, as the kids have gotten older, my husband takes the kids with him more, you know, and my son is like a farmer in training. He loves farming and going and 
So there's definitely been times when I've had to kind of take a deep breath and like, you know, we have conversations with our kids about being safe around equipment and around the cattle. Um, But then I have to kind of just let go and trust that my husband is, you know, keeping the kids safe when I'm not there, when I'm at home. But that was definitely a challenge at the beginning for me when he would take, you know, one or two of the kids, like I would, he'd be leaving and I'd be like, don't let him get ran over by a tractor. And he's like, I know, honey, like, you know, and so it's hard for me when they're out of my sight and to, you know, and so it's just having regular conversations with the kids about being safe, you know, and around the augers and just, there's just so many things that they could get into. Um, but yeah, just, and definitely just having to let go a little bit and trust that my husband is keeping them safe too. And, you know, having the conversations with the kids, but yeah, it can definitely be a challenge. Definitely. Especially when, and it, it's hard to remember that like they probably do things differently when we're not there and the kids are along versus when we are there and the kids are along. Cause that's always my biggest thing that I noticed. I'm like, you guys are so focused on the work you're doing. Like these kids are just going to hurt themselves because they're running around, but they probably do a different one. I'm not there to watch the kids, but, um, the other thing you mentioned about motherhood and living out in the middle of nowhere is the loneliness. It's a lot of alone time. It's to me, I think something that I look at as a big responsibility that's kind of added to your plate to be in charge of your mindset without really any kind of input. It's just like you have to figure this out because you are the one who's in charge of how your home runs and how your kids, like you have to set the tone for the home and for your kids and how this is all going to go. And that's a huge responsibility as you are learning things as well in a kind of a different lifestyle. I'm so glad you could join us today. You can support the mission of the Farming on Purpose podcast and be part of the tribe dedicated to building ag legacies at farmingonpurpose.com shop. You'll find apparel, office supplies, stickers, planners, and more, all inspired by the people living out ag legacies every day. Are there any things that you do in your home to kind of set the stage or make sure that you're prepared for big big seasons, busy seasons, um, things to help the kids kind of adjust to changes on the farm? Yeah, it's definitely an adjustment. I feel like, you know, during the busy seasons, the kids get used to and it's shifting over the years, you know, as the kids get older. And but several years ago when I was home with like all three kids all day, like they weren't really used to their dad being home during the day. So we do, you know, bedtime and everything alone. And then we had to kind of it was like a readjustment period when my husband would be back home for, you know, dinner and bedtime. Um, So it's definitely like. I don't know how I've prepared for that other than just knowing like it's kind of like a re-entry process when my husband comes back home and he's home more. Um, but like ahead of time, I really try like during harvest, um, especially like not every week, but like once every couple weeks, like I'll ask my mother-in-law um, to cook for me and then I'll take the, t- the day to go to town without any of the kids and just to have a break like go to Target or, you know, get a coffee or get lunch with friends. So I feel like that really kind of helps me because I do start to get burned out during harvest of being alone a lot and the responsibility of all the kids. And, you know, sometimes it seems like all they want to do is fight and I'm the only one at home. And so, yeah, so definitely taking breaks when I can during the busy seasons has been helpful for me and trying not to get too burned out. And also what I've tried to do, which we haven't done that last couple of years, but I've tried to plan um, like a quick trip after harvest just for my husband and I, just maybe even going overnight somewhere just so that I have something to look forward to. And that that, that's on in my mind, like in just a couple of weeks, we're going to get to go to this concert or we're going to get to go do this. Um, So that kind of helps me with my mindset, having something to look forward to. That's really neat. That's a good idea. I resonated a lot with some of the things that you've written about being kind of stuck in the hard season for a while. And then all of a sudden you see like something beautiful on the farm and it kind of is like, how did I miss this before when I was in this hard season? Um, For me, I think a lot of that came when my kids were really, really young. They're still young, but when they were really young and it was like, is this ever going to 
be different? You know, am I ever going to get past this phase? And then one day you wake up and you are, but your writing on that was very inspiring to me. Do you want to talk a little bit more about kind of how that's been for you? Yeah, it definitely, I just had another moment a few weeks ago when the five of us were um, in the tractor feeding the cows and I just kind of like looked around and it was like no one needed a pacifier no one was missing a nap um everyone the kids you know no one I didn't have to have a baby in the car seat or in the sling or on my lap like everyone was sitting in the tractor and, and watching and talking about the feeding the cows and I just had this feeling of like I let out a breath like felt like because I felt like for the first time it didn't feel really hard like all of us getting into the tractor together I mean five of us in the tractor is a lot of work but like it just didn't feel like it felt like for a moment I wondered like have I been too harsh on how I felt about motherhood and farm life the last 10 years like but I feel like you can really only you only have hindsight once you get ahead um and so I just trying to remind myself that what you feel like in the moments when it is a hard season is real. And even in your mind, you know, like in a few years, it's going to be easier. That's still a few years away. So I feel like I try and let myself feel those feelings of that. Yes, this is challenging, but yes, I still love my life. Um, And for me, like writing about it is how I process a lot of that. And so for, you know, just like remembering that it's okay for it to feel hard. Um, but just know that it's not going to last forever. And then they're sad because your kids are older and no one's a baby anymore. And um, which is exciting, but also sad too. My youngest is about to turn three and I saw one of the little babies at her daycare the other day. And I was like, that was the first time that I was like, oh, like I kind of missed that a little bit. I mean, that little cute chubby thing that you carry around on your hip. But I think that I also process like negative experiences or challenging experiences through writing. And it's kind of something that it's hard to balance for me, Um, like the positive and the negative in my writing. Sometimes I'll look back at my what I've written. I'm like, oh my gosh, like you sound like you hate your life. You sound like you're so upset about everything. And it's not that way. It's just that that's I'm processing the negative or the challenging through writing the the happy I can process without that. But <laughs> um, the sharing of both together, I think when we share about those things on social media is so powerful. So I wondered if is there things that you found like a lot of joy in lately on the farm or the ranch that you like look forward to and are seasons that you're like, yes, this is this is the good part right um I definitely I mean I catch myself taking pictures of sunrises and sunsets a lot there's so you know on this prairie you know we have zero buildings around us you know other than our farm stuff and so there's just that is beautiful um I really love calving um which I feel like I can say that as someone who is not in the barn 24-7 doing a lot of the labor-intensive work but I love the calves and this is where my husband and I differentiate like he doesn't want anything to do like he loves the farming side he doesn't love the cows so that's where we kind of differentiate but I you know just love seeing the baby calves and seeing the kids get to see the calves is always you know exciting and I feel like for the first time this summer was one of the first years I didn't dread harvest as much as I had in the past. Um, I was kind of, you know, I mean, it was exciting when it was over, don't get me wrong, but it was also, it just felt like it wasn't as hard. And I think that was because the kids are getting older. Um, I'm not, you know, trying to cook a full meal with a baby and a toddler and a preschooler. Um, and so I felt like just getting to enjoy it, you know, a little bit. And there was a couple of days where I did go out and run the combine and it was really fun to, you know, get out. And I would love to do that more, but it's also, you know, with the cooking part, um, like how that to do both of those is kind of a challenge to get to do both roles. Um, but just like little things like that, you know, spending the day in the combine was something out of the norm for me. Um, so those are kind of some of my favorite parts. Yeah, trying to do both roles is so hard. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing to try to challenge myself. I'm like, I can go do that and still have all the food ready and it'll be perfect. Like, no, no, you can't. <laughs> that will not work. <laughs> but 
Um, well, I wanted to ask more about your writing because that's a very, I think, like, it sounds like it's been a big help to you as you process things. And then also you're just very talented at it and you are featured in different things. Um, how has that been part of like motherhood and how do you fit that in to make it something that you enjoy and are good at and can still find time for? It's definitely been a challenge. I've felt guilty over the years when I basically kind of like ignored the kids to go and write in my office or I try and get up, you know, now that my kids are older, I get up at five um, to try and write before the kids get up. Um, but I've, you know, taken a lot of writing workshops over the years. So I feel like I've just really tried to become a better writer and I'm still trying every day. And, um, but for me, it really has helped process like my feelings in motherhood and because I'm not a very like talkative person. So a lot of times like people will read something I have written and be like, I have no idea. They had no idea I felt that way because I'm better at expressing myself through words than talking about it. Um, so I think just even for my husband and I, like just, you know, he's probably read some of my essays and been like, oh, wow, I didn't really, she felt quite that way. So I feel like it's been good for me to have also like an outlet outside of farm life. I do write a lot about farm life, but that that's like my passion is writing. And so getting to do, you know, that has really been helpful um, for me as a mom. And I hope that, you know, I tell my kids, you know, I'm writing or, and that I want them to see that that is something that I'm, you know, excited about. And they've seen my name, like my son one time, he was flipping through a magazine and he saw my name, you know, that it was printed in there. And he was like, mom, did you write that? And it was kind of funny that I, I did write about that, that later because it felt like it was like one of the first times I felt like he was excited about something I did because it's very hard to compare to your farmer husband to your son who's very excited about farming. And so most of the things I do aren't exciting to him, but because I'm not farming. Um, so him seeing my name in print was kind of cool that he, you know, was excited about that. So yeah, so writing has been a big part of, you know, my motherhood and just processing it and connecting with other writers online has been the benefit of social media where I've definitely struggled, you know, the last year, especially I've taken like, as of today, I haven't been on Instagram in like two months. Um, and then this past summer, I deleted Instagram in June and didn't go back until September. Um, it just feels very overwhelming to me a lot of times. And I just find myself often comparing myself to other people, which I find isn't healthy for myself. And I know some people can do really well with social media and not have those issues, but for me, it's kind of been a challenge. And um, as a writer, I also feel like when I'm online, I'm constantly taking in other people's words instead of just writing my own words. So it feels like it's like a fire hose where I'm taking in way too much. And then I find myself not writing at all because I'm just intake, 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 and I have to get offline to be able to write and process and have my own output. I'm so glad you shared that because I think a lot of times we look to social media to be that connection and that source of like inspiration. But I've definitely experienced that too, where it's like, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's like just completely detrimental and it's like time to take a break, time to go do something else, time to like bring some new insight from a book or a podcast or something else that maybe has a different perspective. Right. Yeah. I love that story about your son seeing your name in the the magazine on that piece that you wrote. Um, that's like, I feel like something that's really hard about motherhood and especially on the farm too, is trying to help your kids see the value in what you do because it's so second nature. They, it's like, yes, that's what mom does because, you know, food and it's expected. And, and for a long time, I think growing up, I never understood the value of what my mom did or what what role that played in our family and in our way of life. Um, and so that's something that I am like trying to really focus on, especially with my girls, but with my girls and my boys of mm -hmm. helping them understand the value of like taking care of people and preparing um, things so that people have it easier when they're doing the job that they're trying to do and making sure everyone is well fed. 
and and trying to help them see the value and like it's not always joy in that but that there can be joy in that um and i don't know how we do that better but i feel like just in general most of us don't think about those things until we're in the role doing them and then it's like a shock right yeah i remember a few years ago my daughter she was like four at the time and um, I think she was getting ready to go to school. And so I had the chalkboard, you know, writing, you know, before her first day of school. And I said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, a cooker. And I was like, a cooker? And she said, I want to be a cooker like you. And I remember I first, like, I kind of felt a pit in my stomach. Like, well, that's all she thinks about me is that I cook. But then I tried to remind myself, like, you know, and this is something I've written about too, is like that she does, she doesn't see me just, I feel like as a cook, like she sees like me bringing meals to the field and the people, you know, our employees having lunch at our house and, you know, that to her, like the meals are like what brings everybody together. Um, so I try, you know, to tell myself and spin it in a way that it's not that she just, that's all she thinks of me. And she saw it as a positive too. It wasn't the negative and it, there's nothing wrong with being a cooker. Um, but that she sees it as more than that. You know, it's like how we all come together and that that's the time when the employees and we all get, you know, a break, like that the meal is, you know, something that is really important to all of us. Absolutely. And if you weren't there doing it, what the alternative would be, that's something I've like kind of had to, when I've been like, well, do I really need to do this? Like, do we, can we just like do another option? Um, mm -hmm. Like go, even if it would be like completely a waste of time, but go to town and pick up pizza and bring it out and stuff like that. And that, that works sometimes, but it's different. Like it, it matters. I think that you take the time to prepare the meal and put the time into like feed them well and they recognize I know the workers were recognize it and that's so cool that your daughter kind of sees mm -hmm. that that value too. Mm -hmm. Well, um I have loved this conversation. It's a little been a little bit different than a lot of the conversations on this podcast, but as a woman in ag, I think we have so many of these roles that we fill and everybody's looks different and yet we also have a lot of common threads in them. So it's fun to talk about it from this perspective. Um, is there anything else that you want to share about farm mom life and farm wife life? I think there was a birth story mentioned maybe. Yeah. So I, um, going back like 10 years, my husband, the story goes that he, made a comment when I was pregnant with our first that he could deliver our baby if he had to because he had delivered a lot of calves oh and I rolled I rolled my eyes because I was like babe I'm not a cow and he's like well I'm just saying well he still he says to this day that he didn't say that but I know he did and so when I was pregnant with our third baby um like I said we live an hour from where I was planning on delivering the baby and most half of that is gravel roads and half is the highway. So it's 25 miles of gravel and 25 miles of highway. And so I didn't think I was in labor. And I kept think, telling my husband, I'm not really in labor. This is just Braxton Hicks because I think I was like 37 weeks pregnant. And my second baby didn't come until 41 weeks. And so I was like, there's no way I'm having a baby right now. Like it's too early. This isn't real contractions. Well, finally, I decided that well, maybe we should just go to town and see. So about eight in the morning, we drove to my in-laws and dropped off the two older kids. About 825, we left the house and I am in the pickup and I was wearing a romper, which I was planning on getting to town to change into something else, but the, the romper was very comfy and my water breaks on the front seat of the pickup. And then I reached down and I could feel the baby's head. It wasn't oh out, gosh. but I could feel the head. And I told my husband and he is like, it had rained the night before. So the gravel roads were just like, you know, slick yeah. and he was trying to drive as fast as he could. And so then all of a sudden, um, I felt like I needed to push. And so I did. And the baby's head came out. And so I had to oh take off the romper and I threw it into the back seat of the pickup. My husband is, and I told, I told it, well, I guess the, I threw off my romper earlier and then my, the head came out. So when the head came out, I told my husband, I said, the head came out. And so he pulled over on the side of the road. And I, he got in the passenger seat in front of me and he, I sat up on 
the console of the pickup and I pushed one more time and the baby came right out and my husband caught the baby. And so as the story goes, he didn't deliver the baby that he said. He oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> that is so we're still like 15 minutes or 20 from town. So then I put the baby on my chest. We didn't have any blankets or anything because we weren't prepared for this. And I, we just covered the baby in our coats and cranked the heater up and we drove the rest of the way to town. And then I got there and I hadn't delivered like the placenta or anything. And so when, when we got there, then I delivered the placenta at the birth center. And then we found out it was a girl because we hadn't found out while we were pregnant what I had or was pregnant with. And then when we had her on the side of the road, like we were both, it was like so, you know, like the baby, we didn't even take the time to look at the baby. We asked me that she was breathing. So she was born for about 20 minutes before we knew she was a girl. Oh my God. <laughs> and then we hung out at the birth center for a few hours and then we went home. And that's that it. is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine what you were thinking during that time. That That's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I definitely didn't think that was going to happen. I was, it was like an out of body experience. Like, you know, it was almost four years ago now that that happened, but it just really felt, you know, I, in my mind, like, cause people would ask me later, like, what did, did you think you were going to have the baby on the side of the road? And I said, no, like in my mind, like I was just breathing through the contractions. I was just doing what I had to do in the moment. Like I didn't, it, there, it never crossed my mind that we were going to have the baby in the pickup. But my husband later said that he, was worried that was going to happen, but he didn't say anything just because of how my contractions ramped up. So it just went from like zero to a hundred, like really fast, you know? So looking at the only way I told my husband after I had the baby to take our picture. And so I have a picture of her on my chest in the pickup. And so that's how the basically, so she was born we think around nine Oh five in the morning based on the timestamp in the, um, phone picture and we had dropped off the kids at 8 25 mm-hmm. and and you know so it just like went from my water had, hadn't broken when we left or anything and it just happened really fast so anyway so now i'm like i've made other women who live near me who know what happened like they're like nervous about having a baby in the pickup and so they're like when they're pregnant they're like we go to town as soon as we can because i don't want to have a baby in the pickup like you do so <laughs> oh my gosh that's that's so funny that's i love a good birth story it's one of those things too that you never fully understand what birth is like until after it's happening to you um where you're this was your third one so were your other two like in the hospital did you have like medical intervention and all that stuff or how was was this just like it just happened (laughs) my first was born in the hospital and i didn't have an epidural but he was born at the hospital and then my second we switched to the birth center with the midwife um and so i didn't have an epidural with her either okay and this one was this one was supposed to be with the mid the same mid with the midwife at the birth center um but we just didn't quite make it there. Didn't quite make it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I was wanting to ask if it was different or how like how different with an epidural versus without, because there's not very many people that have experienced it both ways, I've found. So I'll have to keep looking for someone who knows it. But you can tell us whether it's different in the birth center and in the truck. <laughs> right. Normally very um, Yes. <laughs> well, it's just so fast that, you know, the hardest part was like, you know, when you're in labor is like you want to like move around, you know, like, or at least I, you know, either stand and sway or, you know, walk around. And in the pickup, I couldn't do that. So yeah. I kept like switching back and forth from like, I would face the back seat and wrap my arms around the the pickup, the seat, oh. the pickup seat, and like during a contraction, and then I would turn back around and face forward. You know, that was my only movement I could really get. But it was just like I wanted to be moving, but so that was the hardest part was not being able to really like, yeah, around. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Now, if there's any real women listening, you've heard the Pack of cautionary tale. <laughs> yeah, bring towels. <laughs> yeah towels. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, well, thank you for sharing that, Stacy. Um, just as some parting thoughts here, any other things that you would like to leave rural women who maybe are feeling the challenges of balancing and kind of getting through the good and the bad 
on the farm and then make sure you also tell us where we can find you to follow up with you and see more of your writing. Okay. I guess my only advice would be it's okay to feel the hard feelings um, and to tell your husband when you're struggling. That was, you know, something we struggled with in the early years is I would be having a really hard time, but I wouldn't tell my husband because I didn't want to add to his already stressful day. And so I just kept it to myself, which wasn't healthy, um, which is probably part of the reason I started writing more is to be able to process it that way. So I would just say it's okay to feel the hard feelings, but, you know, try not to get stuck in those hard feelings. Um, and you know, it's probably cliche, but like take the minutes, you know, to go outside and watch the sunrise or the sunset, like the day can still be really hard, but you can also see the really good parts too. Um, and so to find me for the most part, I, I'm not really on Instagram, but, um, I'll probably keep coming and going. Um, but I'm just at Stacy Bronick on Instagram, but most often you can find me on Substack and that's where I write my monthly newsletter and I share essays on there as well. Um, the easiest way to find me that way is just to go to my website, Stacy S T A C Y Bronick B R O N E C at what is always Stacy is my website. And if you go to my website, then you can find my Substack from there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing such good nuggets and we'll have to check that out. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or join the conversation on social media. Do you have a topic you would like to discuss or know someone with a story to share? Apply to be a guest on the podcast at farmingonpurpose.com. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, on your favorite social media platforms for more content by searching for Farming on Purpose. And remember, if you look around your table and aren't inspired by the people there, it's time to find a new seat.